Oh man, guys, today is going to be so much fun. Let me tell you what, when you live in the Holy Ghost, there's never a moment that's dull. Like, everything turns supernatural. Like, guys, we, let's, just, let's just stop. Wait, let me just pray real quick. Holy Ghost, shut me up, uppercut me, come through and uppercut everyone else too. Come in power, Lord. Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we, we love you. Jesus, I just say today, we are here for you. That's it. We're here for the great I am. Not here for Instagram, the great I am. Lord, we are here for Jesus. You are our obsession. You are our priority. Lord, you are our importance. You are everything, God. You are our joy, our love, our life, our happiness, our excitement. You're everything, Jesus. And it's only you we want. That's it. Jesus. Just Jesus. And so today, Lord, I ask that Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus would come upon every single person. God, I pray right now that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest on every seat, that we would see you for who you really are, that we would see you how you really and truly are in nature and in power today. Jesus, it's you we want. We don't want some cute message. We don't want Frenchie. We don't want just another lecture. We want Jesus in the room, God. We want your presence. We want you, God. We're here for you. Lord, we just say as an expression of your bride that we're here for one thing, just Jesus. We're not here for more. We're here for Jesus. Just you, Jesus. In your name, God, we give you all the glory because it's all about you, Jesus. We give you all the praise because it's only about you, Jesus. And we give you all the honor because it all comes from you and only from you, Jesus. We bless you. In your name, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, guys, it really is all about Jesus. Everything, it's about Jesus. I don't know if you ever heard Michael Culliano share, but he shares these amazing messages where he's like, people always ask me, when are you going to stop preaching about Jesus? And he says, when the Father stops preaching about Jesus. And as long as the Father's preaching about Jesus, I'm going to continue preaching about Jesus because it's all about Jesus. It's not about religious rules. It's not about practicalities. It's not about the different things that we've created in our different lanes in the body. It's about Jesus. Just Jesus. And guys, when we think about Jesus, we have to recognize and acknowledge that everything about Jesus is supernatural. There is nothing not supernatural about Jesus. He lives in a place called heaven. That is supernatural. He has a father in a spirit and there's three of them, but they're one. That is supernatural. They spoke and things came into existence. That is supernatural. They created a sandcastle that was in the shape of a human and they breathed in his lungs and he became a living being. That is supernatural. And as we read through the Old Testament, supernatural after supernatural after supernatural after supernatural thing is happening. We see Moses parting the Red Sea with some stick. Like, that's supernatural. 
God comes and in the middle of the day, there is a cloud that they follow and it leads them to deliverance. That is supernatural. And then at night, there's a fire that keeps them warm and shows them if they're to leave or to stay. That is supernatural. Everything in the Old Testament is supernatural. All of it. Ezekiel getting dragged by his hair and into a vision was supernatural. Moses, not eating for 40 days, not drinking water and not eating for 40 days, living on top of a mountain, sustained on one thing, the presence of God. That is supernatural. How do you just live without food and water? I'll tell you, Jesus. Everything in the Bible is supernatural, guys. We have to be a generation that's unapologetic about the supernatural power of our God and stop robbing him of his glory. Well, I've never seen it. That doesn't give you a right to take away his power from him. We don't determine him. He determines us. You keep reading. Guys, all the stories, man. Elijah calling down fire on the altar. Supernatural. Samson having supernatural strength where he can like tear down buildings. Supernatural. All of it is supernatural. We can literally go through every single book and I'll tell you supernatural story after supernatural story. I just saw Joshua when they go and march around the walls of Jericho. You think their voice just had so much wind power that they knocked down a wall? No, man, it's supernatural. Jesus says, shout, shout. And they're screaming like lunatics and a wall comes tumbling down and they enter in and plumage. Supernatural. All of it is supernatural. Everything. We keep going. You, I mean, you name it, dude. I can literally go to any of these books. It's all supernatural. Isaiah has an encounter with God in Isaiah chapter 6. Before he knows it, he's sitting before the throne of almighty God. There is nothing natural about that. It is completely supernatural. And then we arrive to the New Testament. And people are like, well, that was Old Testament. That's not New Testament. Really? So you're going to tell me that some 13-year-old girl getting touched by God and her pregnant belly just starts swelling up out of nowhere with no sex is natural. That is fully supernatural, dude. Some 13-year-old not having sex and giving birth to the creator of the universe, that is fully supernatural. And then we read the stories of Jesus and he's walking around. You know, Mark chapter 1 starts off with a bang. Let me just go there. Because I know we had this moment that happened the other day with uh, Alik and uh, Alik and messengers. It was day one. Guys, Jesus is in the business of destroying the works of the devil. That's what he does. That's why he casts demons and heals the sick. Because they're works of the devil and he came to destroy them. And we're in day one. Homie, that was tormenting him since childhood. And some of us were like the Pharisees. Oh, I don't know if that should have been happening in here. Are you kidding me? Jesus did it in Mark chapter 1 in the synagogue, and the only people pissed were the Pharisees. What do you want for him to stay demon-possessed, or you want your brother free? Man, this ain't no Pharisaic training center, man. This is the kingdom of God living in us and pouring out wherever we go. 
People are mad. Oh, you can't do that on Sunday. You can't do that on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, man, I'm going to do whatever my father's doing on the Sabbath, regardless of your religious rituals and rules. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. It's so good. I love it. He's like, in the beginning, he's sharing all the beginning. And then it's the baptism of Jesus. And then how he gets tempted by the devil. And then he begins his ministry. And the first thing that happens, he starts his ministry. And it says, verse 21, they went to Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. This is inside the church. Okay, for those people who are like, oh, well, if you know, you're inside the church, the demons can't go in there. Lie. Yes, they can. Because if you let them in there, they're going to be in there. Immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Yes, he did. He says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God, and Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed. And so they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Guys, he is the same yesterday, the same today, the same tomorrow, and the same forever. Nowhere does my Bible say that he stopped being Jesus. My Bible says he's still the same triumphant God that rules and reigns. And we see, I love, he comes in Mark chapter 1 swinging. Mark's like, you got problem with the supernatural? I'm going to put it in chapter 1 just to tick you off. And we see all the stories in the New Testament, in the gospel. Man, him and the disciples, they're casting demons, they're healing the sick, they're raising the dead, they're picking up paralyzed people, now they're walking. We just got hit up from our fine fragrance base in Nepal the other day. They're like, man, we got some guys that we want you to train to be messengers. One of them just raised someone from the dead in one of the villages next door. This isn't our generation, someone our age. Not some like big stage preacher. Just some dude that's from Nepal that loves Jesus and he's out on the streets preaching the gospel and believing that this thing is true. I believe God is looking for a remnant of people that will read this and stop asking whether it's true and all and will just believe it and start to live it out. Man, if 12 people could believe him and change a whole entire region, what can a whole room of people believing him do? I'm just done with the wrestle. Is this true? Are are you even a Christian? What do you mean is this true? Man, I just thought we should just divorce unbelief real quick. I'm just going to go there. Can I just go there? Man, I shared in a school a couple weeks ago, and this girl comes up, and she goes, can I be honest with you? I had just finished sharing for the whole week. She goes, man, I'm wrestling with believing everything that you're saying, and I'm not trying to scare anyone in the room. I'm just trying to go there. She's like, I've been wrestling with with believing. It's like, I, I doubt, man. I have all this unbelief and doubt. And I go, look, I'm down to pray with you, I'm not trying to scare you, but if you really want to be free, it's going to take recognizing who your enemy is. And if you're not willing to humble yourself, I can't work with you. 
But if you're willing to humble yourself and you're willing to work with me and acknowledge who the enemy is, I'll work with you. She goes, I'll do whatever you say. I go, look, from my experience, I've dealt with this quite a bit. I know that unbelief is the name of a devil. And I've seen it come out of people because we call it by name and it comes out. Am I saying you're possessed? No. But am I saying that there might be some dirty little critter trying to whisper in your ear and make you stop believing the truth? Yes. And also, I look, I go, man, this is a reality. I've dealt with this thing. If you're willing to acknowledge that this is the enemy and that it's actually a critter, I'll pray with you and we'll get it out. She goes, let's do it. We start praying. Next thing you know, she's on the ground growling, squirming. All that crap comes out and she comes up free by the blood of Jesus. Maybe you were told, oh, it's okay for you to not have faith and live in unbelief. I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry that you were lied to. Because we can repent our way out of that thing and stop agreeing with it and bowing down to it. You know what we get when we remove that thing through repentance? The deposit of the gift of faith. I believe that this is real. I'm trying to live the rest of my life going, if you said it, I believe it. Let's do it. Look, if you're ready to just sign a divorce paper with unbelief, I want you to stand out real quick. It don't have to be everyone. It don't have to be anyone. I don't care if no one stands up. I just know, man, I want to believe God. I don't want to believe some TikTok preacher that gave me false truth. Let's do this. Everyone say, Jesus. Jesus. I repent. I repent. For unbelief. I recognize it as sin. And I'm sick and tired of obeying unbelief. Over believing you. Jesus. I'm sorry. I didn't know. But now I do. And I repent with vengeance. Spirit of unbelief. I rebuke you out of my life. I break agreement with you. I see what you've done. And I see what you're doing. And I tear every contract I ever made with you. I rebuke you. Now. I have authority over you. And I exercise it now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. Thank you. For highlighting this in my heart. I receive your forgiveness, Lord. And I just ask right now. Fill me with the gift of faith. Where unbelief was hiding. Give me a double dose of the gift of faith. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Give me unbelievable faith for the miraculous, Lord. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Come on, guys. Look, that thing might want to come back. I just got to let you know you got authority over it. Don't listen to him. He who's in you is greater than that dirty, nasty thing trying to touch your shoulder. Just get him out. So look, Mark comes swinging, first chapter. Talking about the supernatural. Guys, we keep going into what our faith is. Like, think about this. We, you and I, we believe 
that God of the universe came through a 13-year-old girl's tummy. He lived as a human on the earth, and then he died. God of the universe died. And then he went down to the enemy's camp, destroyed the enemy, took back the keys of Hades, and then the Holy Spirit went and rose him from the dead, and now... Instead of being demon-possessed, he puts his spirit in us, and we are filled with the spirit of God that lived in Jesus on the earth. We believe that. Tell me, is there anything not supernatural about that? Because if I did not believe, I would think we were all a bunch of kooks. Everything about that is supernatural. The fact that we believe in hell is supernatural. The fact that we believe that there's angels is supernatural. The fact that we believe that there's demons is supernatural. And then we start reading through the book of Acts, and all of a sudden, what was on Jesus falls upon a whole entire room in Acts 2. And it's not just one image bearer of Jesus. It's a whole room of image bearers of Jesus. And all of a sudden, they're going out, and it says that they're healing the sick, they're casting demons, they're raising the dead, and they're literally seeing what Jesus was doing in his life happen through their lives. That is fully supernatural. And I know some people want to get in the boxing ring with me and they're like, but that all ended. Where does it say that in the Bible? And they're like, well, it ended with the apostles. Really? It ended with the apostles. Can you show me where it's written? Because Ananias was not an apostle. And when he prayed for Saul, Saul's eyes opened. Stephen was not an apostle. Stephen was a waiter that served tables and he operated in signs, wonders, and miracles. The church of Corinth was not apostles it was a church and paul writes them a letter and says hey these are the spiritual gifts that you can expect to operate under in chapter 12 i'm like where are you reading this man because i read this thing over and over and over and over and over and over and i don't find it what i find is people moving in the power of god what i find is people raising the dead healing the sick cleansing lepers and Jesus getting glory through our lives because we died to ourselves and died to unbelief and stepped into faith, which is what he's looking around saying, if I come back, who will have faith? That's the question he asked. Hey, if I come back, who's the question? Because when I actually believe something, I'm going to live it. And I want us to go beyond believing it here to believing it here. Believing it here is a hundred journal entries. Believing it here is actually seeing it happen. I want to take us there. You guys in that with me? I know I get a little passionate, man, but how can you not be passionate about God? And you know, I've read this thing all the way to the end, and like every book has supernatural in it. Every single book, like the fact that we believe that we get to read this and every time we read it, the author of it joins us is supernatural. And he does. Every time I read it, he's like, hey, I'm like, oh, I love you. You're my best friend. It's the only book in the world that every time we read it, the author's with us when we read it. And all of us at the same time, that's fully supernatural. The fact that we believe that God lives in us is supernatural. It's all supernatural. Everything. If you're like, I don't know if I believe in the supernatural, then you must not believe in the Bible. Because we believe that we read this and it changes our life. What's not supernatural about that? 
Even if we don't understand it, we still believe it changes our life. What's not supernatural about that? It's all supernatural. Everything. And so I want to take this to some encounters. If you have your Bibles, pull them out. We're going to bounce around a little bit. I want us to go to Daniel chapter 7. Because today, guys, I'm going to be really short because I don't want to talk a lot. I want God to come into the room. Like, what I say doesn't matter. What he says is everything. And I would rather him come speak to you than me come speak to you. So what we're going to do is we're going to invite the presence of God in here in a moment, and he's going to speak truth to you. That's, I, that's what I, that's, I prefer that any day. I want God to speak to you. So I'm going to be short. Let's go to Daniel chapter 7. Oh, I'm sorry, chapter 8. Let's go down to verse 15. 815. Yes. Guys, I'm going to be sharing this morning on believing for bible size encounters. Like, I'm just like, if you did it in them, why? Like, you can do it in me. Like, I, I want you to understand something. You see me up here. I am not special. I'm not different. I'm not, like, super cool. I live with Carlo and Micaiah and Gail, like, I am a nincompoop 90% of my day. Okay, I just like passionately love Jesus with everything in me. See, that's, that's it. That's the only thing that makes me different than, than the world. Is that I'm obsessed. And I know we are too. That's why we're set apart. But I am a normal human being. I fart. I burp. I poop. I eat sometimes too much and get indigestion. I sweat. Like, I'm a normal human. And when, I, when, I, when we read the word, we have to understand, guys, these are normal humans. Like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not wearing some holy robe walking around like, oh. They were like young, dumb punks. Probably like putting each other in headlocks at night and farting on each other. And Jesus like, would you guys please shut up and go to bed? There was nothing special about them. He did not go and go, oh, man, you qualify. Look at your resume. Wow, you're the one I want. No, he went. He's like, oh, man, Levi, gosh, you're so rejected. No one likes you, and everyone makes fun of you, and your tax collector, everyone hates you. Why don't you be a part of my glory gang, man? Let's roll. He's like, as a matter of fact, I don't even want to call you Levi no more. You're going to be Matthew now, and you're going to write the whole book of Matthew. It's going to be dope. And he goes and finds John. John was estimated to be 17 years old when he started rolling with Jesus. This young little punk kid. Like, all you ever want to do is, like, be clingy with Jesus. Like, you guys ever have that friend that's, like, clingy on your homeboy or your friend? You're like, bro, why are you always touching everybody? <laughs> that was John, man. He was, like, mad clingy. They were normal dudes. Like James and John, the sons of thunder, sons of Zebedee. These dudes probably reeked of fish for the whole first year they rolled with Jesus. They were fishermen all their life. All they knew was fishing. Jesus walks up, he's like, yo, I'm going to make you fishermen and men. They're like, yo, pops, my bad, bro, but we out. Peace, dog. Start following Jesus. Like, ditch their dad. These are like normal dudes. And then, like, they're so normal that they're competing with each other. They're like coming up to Jesus like, yo, Jesus, we brought our mom, bro. Why'd you bring your mom? Mom tell him well um hi jesus i'm actually here because i want to make sure that my sons are going to be on your right and your left in heaven 
And they're like, thanks, mom. You're the best. Like, dude, you read through John, and John's like, yeah, after Jesus died? Dude, they're normal punk kids, man. But God saw that they were hungry for something different, and he poured his spirit out on them. That's what separates you from the world, is you're hungry for something real, and you pursued it with all of your heart. There is no qualification. You do not need to like meet some special criteria in order for God to touch you. All you need is a yes in your heart and he's down. He actually desire, he desires it for you more than you desire it for yourself. So I want us to go into this next hour with the understanding of we don't have to like have all of our T's crossed and our I's dotted or have it all figured out or like, be a theologian. Like, no, 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 man. It's just Jesus. He wants this. Can we agree to that? Okay, let's read this. Oh, gosh, I'm running out of time. Help me, Jesus. Give me supernatural speed like you gave Elijah when he outran Jezebel and all the prophets. <laughs> Yo, even that was supernatural, man. The fact that Elijah, he like kills all of Jezebel's prophets. All of them, they're all dead. And then it says that he grabs his cloak, which in our generation is a skirt. So he picks up his skirt and tucks it between his legs and tucks it into his belt and it looks like a diaper. And suddenly he outruns horses and chariots. Homie turns into Flash. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, Lord, sign me up. Where's the, like, where's the sign up sheet for that one? I'm trying to get to Hilo tomorrow real quick. All right, verse 15. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai, whatever that's called. And it called, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was frightened and I fell on my face. Some of you guys fell on your face like two days ago. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and made me stand up. People are like, where's that in the Bible? Well, there's one. I'll show you more. You guys want to see more? Because this is just some normal dude, right? We all know the story like Daniel in the lion's den. We all know the story. Why don't we know this one? Where he goes and has this gnarly encounter. He starts to see the glory of the Lord. Let's go to the next chapter so we can see. Chapter 10. Two chapters later. So he goes into this wild encounter, falls into this trance, and he's out in the spirit and starts to get downloads from heaven. All of a sudden it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Homie went like, he got so hit by the power of God, he couldn't eat for three weeks. On that 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphus around his waist. His body was like barrel. His face was like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnishing bronze. And the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. That is Jesus. 
Over and over we read in the scriptures when these prophets would have encounters with Jesus and he always looked like that. Eyes of fire. A voice that sound like rushing waters or like a multitude of people. Like, just imagine. Hair like wool. There's different descriptions. Let's keep going. Verse 7. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them. Maybe some of you were shaking in here. And you don't know. And you're like, well, I didn't fall on the floor, but I was shaking. Here, Daniel's showing biblical context for this. And they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision. And no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. And I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And I heard the sound of his words. I fell. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And there he said to me, fear not, Daniel. For from first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard and I've come because of your words. And then God begins to use him to go and declare prophetic utterances to a generation. When God touches us, sometimes he needs to deal with some fear and and insecurity and lies and different things. And Christoph says this, it's like when you get a new iOS system. You don't know what it does or how it works, but you hit accept and it shuts off. Everyone's like, oh, say it again. (laughs) It's a phenomenon, guys. Like, I don't have the science behind it. I really don't. But when the Methodist church started, it would happen. When the Foursquare church started with Amy Simple McPherson, there's pictures on Google where people are all over the ground. It would happen. I don't have the science for it. I don't have the theology behind it. I just know it's all about Jesus. And I can tell you one thing. Set your eyes on Jesus and he'll do what he wants to do. Don't look to your right or your left. Who cares what he's doing in other people? Remember when Peter was like, Jesus comes, he's like, hey, in the last days, man, they're going to drag you. And he's telling him that he's going to be crucified. He's like, well, what about him? Points at John. Jesus is basically like, don't worry about him. What if I decide to keep him alive forever? How is that in your business? Well, the reason I'm saying that is when we come into these times where we're pursuing the Lord, it's not about the people around you, man. It's about the man up top. You see, Daniel set his eyes upon Jesus, and as he's locking his eyes on Jesus, the encounter comes. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I cannot say that enough. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about you wanting another goosebump or a tingle. It's about Jesus. And when you give him everything, sometimes he just goes. Sometimes he doesn't. That's okay. I'm not going to argue with him about it. Okay, let's go to Ezekiel. I love Ezekiel. Verse 26, chapter 1, verse 26. All I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to stir hunger, guys, because it's only week one. For the next 10 weeks, I want us to hunger for a touch from God. You guys know who Heidi Baker is? Raise your hand if you know who Heidi Baker is. Okay, some percentage. It's this, she was a young girl, she was a missionary, went to Mozambique, got super burned out because she was trying to do it in her own strength. Comes back to America, the Toronto blessing starts to happen in Canada, Randy Clark and the homies are praying for people, and for like 
Six days a week, there's outpourings of the Spirit. People are getting out of wheelchairs, like cancer's dissolving, all kinds of miracles. Heidi Baker shows up. And all of a sudden, she's like this young, burnt-out missionary. They start praying for her. She goes out under the power of God for three weeks, cannot walk. People are having to, like, walk her to the bathroom. And everyone's like, oh, I don't know if this is God. This is, like, heresy and, like, false doctrine and all this weird stuff. And everyone's accusing her and hating her. I don't really care what people say because she has planted 25,000 churches in Africa. She loves the orphans. And 80% of the people that she prays for in Africa that are deaf, their ears open. I'm like, Lord, you can knock me out for six months if that's the kind of fruit you're going to get through my life as an inheritance for you. I don't care what it looks like. I just want God. I don't care if he doesn't knock me out and I still see the fruit. I'm like, Lord, I just want you, Jesus. I want you, God. Whether it's a prophetic word, whether it's a touch, I don't care what it is. Jesus, I want you, and I don't want you just in a worship time. I want you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Do what you want to do. Oh, I lost my page. Okay, here we go. Ezekiel, verse 26. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of what his waist, I saw as it was, did I skip a line? And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet. He has an encounter with Jesus. They're called theophanies. They're appearances of Christ before he came incarnate. He has this experience where he meets with Jesus. And suddenly the Lord begins to pour out revelation of what he's supposed to communicate to a generation. And we all know the stories. It's crazy. He has to like sleep and poop and like do all this crazy stuff. But this dude's just like gnarly, radical, obedient. He's like, yeah, Lord, you want me to walk around for three months naked? I'm down. He's like crazy. But something happened where he met and knew God and it was irresistible for him to obey him. He just knew I have to. I must. I've seen you. I've met you. You're worth it. I don't care how stupid I look. I'll do whatever. Let's go to Revelation 1. Verse 12. This is John, again, the clingy one that we were talking about earlier. It says, verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstand was one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. No, this bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like a roar of many waters. And his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forever and I have the keys of death and Hades. 
another encounter with Jesus. And you see, John, he lived with Jesus on the earth. So when he sees him in this, he's like, oh my gosh, I know who you are. I lived with you. Last one, John 18, three to six. So Judas, you guys see I brought my ESV today. Guys, I got like four or five Bible translations that I love. I'll parallel them. Just put them next to each other. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. That one's crazy, but I like that one too. Ah, ah, ah. Okay, verse three. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. I am he. I've prayed for atheist people before. Wright's brother, he's not in here. Atheist. And I go, you want to experience God? I know you're an atheist, but I know that you're deep down on the inside. You want to experience God. He goes, start praying for him. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't have the mathematics behind it. But homie just goes, bam, and slams against the ground. And the Lord said, he doesn't need to believe in me. I'm bigger than that. See, there's a generation looking for the supernatural. They're looking for something. They know that there's something out there bigger than themselves. And we either provide it to them through the Holy Spirit or we deny it and hide behind walls. And we let new agers come and give it to them. And we let witches come and give it to them. And we let Satanists come and give it to them. And we let warlocks come and give it to them. Either we give it to them or the devil will. Speaking of the devil, let's end with this and we're going to jump into some worship time. Staff, I'm going to ask that you walk around. We're just going to go high praise today. We are going to go and we're going to set our sight on Jesus, hoping for Jesus to touch us. And then you know what we're going to do tomorrow? The same thing. And you know what we're going to do on Monday? The same thing. You know what we're going to do on Tuesday? The same thing. And then Wednesday? The same thing. And for the next 10 months, we're going to come in here every day hungering, saying, God, maybe you didn't do it yesterday, but I believe you can give me a Bible-sized encounter today. Mark chapter 9. Yo, Hoffa, you want to jump up here, my G? Big dog. Roo, 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 roo. All right, Mark chapter 9. Let's go all the way down to verse 20. It says, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, there's a demon in this boy. For those of you that think that kids can't have demons. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, for those of you that thought he was a teenager. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, just have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, 
if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Oh, all things are possible if we'll just believe, guys. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. That's what we cried out for today. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Guys, sometimes when people fall, it's just the power of God. If I stick a metal fork in here right now, which I've done as a kid, I blew back like four feet and hit my bed. Stuck a knife in it. Boom! The whole house made a noise. Boom! The lights dimmed. Can ask my mom. She's over in that room. I remember my hair was all tingly. I was like, ah, what just happened? I was like freaking out. But man, there was, there was real power in that thing. There was real power in that wall, in that socket. And it blew me back. I don't dare to believe that that wall outlet has more power than my creator God. For any last little boxes and limitations left on who God is. Let's break those things, man. He's all-powerful God. Sometimes he just touches us. One time I met a Brazilian girl and she was on the ground. She comes up, she goes, tell me why that happened. I come from a church where they teach that's evil and I hate it. And I hate that it happened to me, but it felt so good. Tell me why it happened. I said, I don't know. Let me ask because I don't have your answer. I said, Lord, why'd you do that? I said, I feel like the Lord's saying that your love language is physical touch. And he just wanted to touch you. You know what that girl did? She started weeping. And she said, I'm from Brazil, where everybody hugs each other. And everybody kisses each other. And ever since I've been here, I've felt so rejected. Because no one will let me hug them. They think that I'm weird. And no one lets me kiss them because they think it's weird. And it's like not allowed here. It's so weird. I just felt so alone and rejected because I can't be who I'm supposed to be. And she's weeping as she understands God loves me enough to meet that need himself. I don't know why he does it, man. But I'm just like, yo, if you do, sign me up. Other times he casts a demon out of someone. Like homeboy, hey, I would rather my friend look like a fool for one minute and look like a righteous person for the rest of his life then look like a fool for the next 30 years of his life because no one would get the demon out. I've gone to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, if I have demons, man, search me, bro. Get them out. And there's been times where they do in ministry. Why? Because I'm possessed? No, because sometimes I get hurt and I go to other things instead of God and they sneak their way in. So for some of us today, it might look messy. That's okay. Who cares? I'd rather you look messy for five minutes than you look messy for the next 50 years of your life. Can we just agree to that? Like, God, who cares about my dignity? I care about my freedom in Jesus. 